South Korea and the United States seem to have differing opinions on OPCON or uh, transfer of wartime operational control from Washington to Seoul. This has been a long pending issue now spanning well over a decade. Uh, The U.S. Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, said that uh, it will take some time for Seoul to fully meet the required conditions, while his South Korean counterpart, the South Korean Defense Minister's Hoek, expressed Seoul's intentions to, quote, meet the requirements as early as possible. On another issue, there are some reports circulating that uh, the U.S. President Donald Trump Uh, allegedly instructed his officials to use the possible withdrawal of American troops from the peninsula as a bargaining chip in these contentious defense cost-sharing agreement negotiations. So to uh, get some analysis on the entire situation, very pleased to have joining us from Handong Global University School of International Studies, Professor Park Won-gon on the line. Hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning to you, Professor. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, let's first address the issue of OPCON. Uh, the Defense Minister's Hoke and uh, the U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper, uh, they both reaffirmed that uh, they're going to try to get OPCON underway, which uh, for our listeners' basic background, it would be uh, in the event of hostilities or war breaking out, uh, the uh, uh, overriding authority would be South Korea rather than the U.S. as is currently the case. Now, uh, they both acknowledge that progress, great progress has been made towards meeting the conditions for uh, OPCON transfer, but they seem to be a little bit different in the nuance of uh, Esper saying, well, uh, they're still not ready. South Korea is still not ready, whereas uh, Saouk is saying, you know what, we can, we can, uh, we're, we're, we're much more further along than, than you think. What are your thoughts on the overall issue? Yeah, you are right. I can see the, there are some clear differences between the two sides, and you just mentioned that the Minister of the National Defense Secretary, uh, Minister of the National Defense, Hope mentioned, uh, put the emphasis on the as early as possible when he made an uh, introductory rem- remark before this SCM meeting. On the other hand, the Secretary Asper, and he put the emphasis, the word of it will take a time. So I think uh, there is uh, some differences between the two sides. And also, um, the ASPER emphasized the so-called conditions-based operational control. And this is, has been the uh, agreement between South Korea and United States in, in 2014. So ASPER, one more time, to emphasize this importance to meeting these conditions. And I think uh, South Korea and United States, they have a different intention or the motivation to approach this wartime operational control and South Korea, our Moon Jae-in government is pretty clear that they wanted to transfer this upcon in his term, which means that before the May 2021. Mm-hmm. And also South Korea consider this transfer itself is a political decision. On the other hand, the United States is a little bit reluctant to transfer upcon in recently because first they wanted to put the emphasis on the so-called readiness. So they are they also um, emphasize this, uh, I just mentioned, the condition-based operational control, especially the combined forces commander here, you know, the USFK commander Abrams, and keep saying that it is important to, to have uh, readiness of the ROK-US alliance. And that's, the, I think, of course, the reason that the United States has a little bit reluctant to transfer the wartime operational control. And the other is, yeah. I can see some kind of, uh, you know, mood in the Washington, D.C., especially the Department of Defense strategist, 
because we are seeing the very intensifying confrontation between United States and China, and then United States and these some some people are saying that they are not hundred percent trust South Korea. So it is better to have a wartime opcon to prepare this uh, U.S. China's confrontation. The um, other kind of matter of differing opinion seems to be whether these are what you've cited are actual conditions or not. So back in 2014, uh, South Korea and the U.S. agreed so-called on the three conditions for OPCON transfer. We ha- This was during the Park Geun-hye administration, we should know. Uh, but the uh, former South Korean uh, defense minister, Song Young-moo, who was serving under the Moon Jae-in administration, recently said that that was actually not considered to be preconditions, but really points for verification. There's a nuance here. Can you, can you explain what we're talking about here? Well, first of all, I do not understand why the former secretary, uh, former minister, Song Young Woo, mentioned that one. He was not encouraged when the South Korea, United States decided to have a so-called condition-based wartime operational control in year 2014. And you just explained that. And these three conditions, and U.S. and South Korea agreed that the condition South Korea must meet, and they put the emphasis this word, must meet before the upcoming transport. Uh, those three conditions are first, key military capability for leading joint defense, and second one is the ability to respond to North Korea's nuclear and missile threat, and finally, the security environment on the Korean Peninsula and in the surrounding region. And the problem is this third condition, the security environment on the Korean Peninsula. We all see that North Korea has any intention to give up its nuclear development. And very recently, October 10th, when they have a military parade, they have been shown the new strategic weapons. So I think it's getting worse in, in terms of security environment. So I don't think we haven't met this kind of condition yet. Uh, We're running out of time, so let's skip ahead to the defense cost-sharing issue, uh, Professor Park. Uh, The U.S. President Donald Trump continuously signaling he wants South Korea to pay more, pay much more for the presence of U.S. troops. Uh, This was echoed by Mark Esper. Uh, He was stressing the need to substantially increase South Korea's share of defense costs. Uh, um, Some controversy that that comment was actually Mm -hmm. inserted, but it wasn't actually part of the overall agenda of the meeting. Do you think Mm -hmm. um, South Korea is certainly feeling the pressure, but uh, ahead of these November 3rd elections? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so we have been pressured by the Trump administration for a lot, simply a lot. But I don't think uh, South Korea should and could accept this U.S. demand because Trump administration allegedly uh, known that they request 50% of the raise. I think it simply is too much. Usually we have a one digit, is less than 10% yeah. increase when we have a new DSMA. And last March, and South Korea and U.S. actually in the minister level agreed to have around 15% raise, but President Trump himself has vetoed it. So South Korea, I think we need to, until the end of U.S. presidential election, if Biden is re-elected, I think we can have a reasonable negotiation. And the Biden keeps saying that he respects the alliance. But one thing pretty clear at this moment is that U.S. wants to have a increasing rule and sharing of the allies. That means we are going, anyway, in uh, some sense, we are going to get the, this pressure uh, from the United States to raise our cost sharing. Yeah, so um, 
before we say goodbye, just the final point, because you mentioned how um, after November 3rd, if there is a new Joe Biden administration coming into power uh, on January 2021, uh, that uh, South Korea could have sort of a reset in these defense negotiations. So uh, is the thing for South Korea right now is just really just wait things out until November 3rd and see what happens with uh, the election? Yeah, right. Exactly. Not only South Korea, but I think um, all over the world is <laughs> waiting for this, uh, the, the result of the U.S. presidency election because there are pretty much you know, tremendous difference between the candidate Trump and also candidate Biden. Right. And uh, we're, I guess, um, being, um, I guess, a little bit cautious in not saying exactly what the rest of the world necessarily wants in terms of the election oh, yes. results. But I, I think most people can assume uh, that uh, there is a preference perhaps to return back to the old uh, order of how there was a lot of international cooperation and perhaps not as much unilateralism uh, mm-hmm. as we've seen in current years. And so uh, we'll see how those results actually play out and affect uh, foreign foreign relations. Uh, Professor Park, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you.